0: turn off the cruise control. It's time to press forward. Hello, 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 all of our A Divine Healing Journey podcast listeners. How are you? We sure hope you're ready to ride. First things first, though, we want to give all of our moms a very warm happy mother's day i know we're a couple of days out but since we don't get to speak to you guys until after the holiday we still want to send you those warm wishes Mm -hmm. so we hope you are ready for today's podcast with tina hightower garrett and wanda mitchell parenti two best-selling authors as well as two sisters on a journey are you ready to ride
1: Our devotional today is what is your identity? Genesis 127. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Although discovering our true identity can be challenging, it has already been determined by God. This world is structured in the way that we tie our identity and purpose to our jobs, families, successes and failures. We even compare ourselves to others. When you are feeling uncertain about who God created you to be, remind yourself of who God says you are. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, grace-lavished, and unconditionally loved and accepted. It is extremely helpful to write down verses that remind you of God's word spoken about us. A good scripture to write down as a reminder is, you are God's masterpiece, found in Ephesians 2.10. A masterpiece is one-of-a-kind, no duplicates. We are all born with a one-of-a-kind fingerprint.
0: Today, listeners, we have with us mr and mrs alvarado carlos and angie alvarado i'm going to share with you a little bit about mr and mrs alvarado so carlos born and raised here in san francisco california he tells us that his favorite scripture comes from romans 8 31. something that changed him was realizing that God always had his hand in his life. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Carlos is a husband, father, and Lito, which means grandfather. He has a heart for the youth, especially those without dad, since he grew up with an absent and abusive father. He also has a heart for men's ministry, he wants to see men set free from the strongholds that bind them. He comes from a rough and wild past. And looking back, he knows that God's hand has always been there, guiding and protecting him. He wants to see other men set free from the traps and bondages that many get stuck in. His beautiful wife, Angie Alvarado, whose scripture comes, her, her favorite scripture comes from Romans eight thirty eight through 39. And something that changed her, the Bible study, Becoming Mrs. Better Have, with Pastor Holly Furtick, Elevation Church. This powerful study changed her perspective on marriage, her husband, and loving others. Angie is a wife, mother, and mamam, which is grandma. Love is her superpower. She believes that when people get the revelation of God's incredible love for us and Jesus' astonishing act of sacrificial atonement, it will drastically transform lives. This revelation changes minds, hearts, and perspectives on life. Angie has a passion and desire to show the heart of God to others. So we welcome today, Mr. and Mrs. Angie and Carlos Alvarado. Hey, guys.
2: Hey, how's
1: it going? Hey. Hey, guys. Welcome. Thank you. So good to have you here. (laughs) And Carlos, I have to step in. Before you start, I love it when you said that wild past. I mean, we're not going to get into that right now because I love the fact, I'm like, what's that rough? What's that? And when I read that, I'm like, what does that mean? And I'm certain you'll share a little bit of that with us. But the fact that really, um, really tugged on my heart is your your passion for uh, men's ministry and youth. What? Where do you say that fire came from? What? Where did that fire come from?
2: It came when, I had an encounter with Christ and then knowing that everything I went through in life was all destined for such a time and looking back I didn't have a I didn't have a father in my life at the time and I was always seeking the acceptance the 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 adult male to kind of put his arms around me but unfortunately they were all the wrong people And all the wrong friends. And then that deterred me into, like you said, a a rough and tumble lifestyle until I met Christ. And what I what what I like to do is the thing is, how can I love a father who is visible? And yet I'm supposed to love a father who I can't see. And so I like to break that down with the youth, and I like to break it down with men because once they grab a hold of it, they'll, they'll have the full meaning of what a father represents. And what you have to do in part in order to become the son as well.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of people equate That's powerful. A lot of people equate their earthly father to the heavenly father. So if you had a bad relationship with your earthly father, it's like, what do I need a heavenly father for? It didn't work out here on earth. And I think. Um, the beautiful part of Carlos's transformational journey, we'll just call it transformational journey from his past to now, um, is he was able to make that disconnection. Um, he was able to pursue God after God pursued him. He was able then to pursue God without all that baggage of, you know, what is God's true identity and what is his relationship to me independent of his earthly father. So anyway, do, that
0: is oh I'm sorry. Go ahead, Angie. I
3: didn't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say if he wanted to kind of talk about his journey to through that process
2: of. Well, yeah, you know there was a time and point in my <laughs> I'd life I'd love to hear it where I was seeking. I knew because I I grew up a Catholic and I didn't agree with Catholicism as a youngster and I would go to church. I sit there, and I hear these messages and it's like okay, just pray to him and he'll forgive you and say 10 Hail Marys. And I remember going with my brothers and we'd all crack up after confession. It's what the Catholics do. And we'd all say, how many did you get? I got five, you got four. And we started laughing. Oh, you were, you did worse than me. So we would laugh at it. But as I got older, it's like, why can't I just directly speak to God? And so I went on a search throughout a couple of years in my life where I, I kind of went into, I didn't go into, but I want, I was curious what um, Buddhism was, what um, Jehovah Witnesses were, and what uh, um, the Latter-day Saints were. So I knew people. So I got into a couple of meetings that, that didn't just sit right with me. And then um, my best friend who I used to run around with in the streets, he became a Christian. He was firing brimstone with me. And I totally rejected that because, you know, don't come at me like that. And so because he's my best friend. So we didn't talk for quite some time and then I became a single dad uh, and then I was really on tough times and I come home one day and there's 15 bags of groceries there and I knew who they were from mm-hmm. they were from my buddy who became a Christian and then things started to change a little bit I started thinking about wow this is pretty cool and then I met Ange and then she was a Christian and then she never pressed it on me but there was a there was a hunger still for my youth, I need something to fulfill this empty hole I have here. Cause I filled that empty hole with everything you could think of growing up in San Francisco and it was all the wrong reasons. And then when I met God and had that encounter with him he filled that with love, peace, harmony. Just, I, I remember when I accepted Christ I woke up the next morning and I can smell the grass I can hear the birds clearly. So there was a big, like I just fell in love and I seeked after him. And I, uh, you know, I didn't stop. I just kept going. To this day, I'm still, you know, seeking more of Him.
0: Wow, that's that's so cool. And, um, Andy, you had mentioned started to mention something about um, the the part where we we tend to see our earthly Father and the Heavenly Father as the same. And unfortunately, because we that's where we place identity in the beginning, it gets it gets tainted, because clearly, the two are very different. Right. Um, So when there's disappointment from our earthly father, as you were saying, um, Carlos, then we have disappointment, just genuine disappointment in our Heavenly Father, because we see them both as being the same. <clears throat> so I knew that's what it was like for me. Um, it's interesting that it was also that way for you. And looking back, I even see that in my two oldest sons too. So I actually want to hear about, and thank you for sharing that, but I want to hear about the rough past.
1: You took that from me. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. You took that from me. That's okay.
0: You get me, you'll me. get me back. Okay. Yeah.
2: So my rough past, uh, you know, I bought into the lie of defending your neighborhood, becoming this gangbanger, becoming this person, because I was seeking acceptance in all the wrong places. And I had a third, you know, I came up from a third world country. I was actually born in El Salvador, but came to America when I was a kid. And my mom didn't speak the language. So and my dad wasn't around. So I gravitated to anybody who would accept me. And unfortunately, I gravitated towards the streets. And going through the streets, I got into so much trouble and I, you know, I look back and I, you know, I put my mom through a lot. And um, unfortunately, you know, I, I, I got incarcerated a couple of times. I was shot. I was, there was so many times, this is where I always say to me, it's so powerful where you look back and you just can't help but love God for what he's done for you. There was a time where, and I'll share this small testimony, which I didn't even know at the time was taking place. I was with a friend of mine and um he'd been in and out jail all his his whole entire life but he was a really he was my best friend he called me up one day and said hey i'm gonna go to san jose do you want to come with me and i said sure but i i it took maybe a quarter look and i see my kids they were at the swimming pool swimming and uh, i was at a friend's house and i said no i'm gonna stay with my girls i changed my mind and so that was that two days later my cousin called me said hey did you hear about your buddy i go what's that he got killed in San Jose two days ago, and unfortunately, he was killed with another guy. And that, so he called me first, then he called the other guy, and they were both murdered in San Jose. And so I was kind of like, "Well, that was lucky. That was you know pure luck. Whoa, man, that was almost me." But when I met Christ, He reminded me of that, and I could I couldn't I couldn't do anything but just cry and thank Him and thank Him and thank Him and and people wonder why. I'm so in love with God. Why am I crazy about God? That's why. Yeah. And those are just a couple, of, a couple of instances that happened in my life that encounters where I knew. That's why that thing for me is while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. Right.
1: I love that. I totally love that. And what I get from that, I love that, is that God was preparing you, even from the time that. You were saying you were living that rough and tough life, but now look at what you're doing. You've taken what you've done in the past and you're helping others, men and youth, because how can we help others if we don't have a true understanding of what they're going through, right? Right, And so little did you know it was a setup, right? That was all a setup. That was a setup for you to be in love with him the way you are and passionate about him. And now your identity is clearly in Christ because when they see you, they see him. And right. then you can tell your story because, right. you know, sometimes we'll go, I understand what you're talking about. And it's because I know my son has gone through some things like what you're saying. He's been shot in the hand and to the point where he hit a bullet, but he's on fire because he knows God saved him. Right. That He could have been that person, but I'm here for a reason. I'm here right. for a purpose. That is powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And and I know that there's someone, I hope there's someone listening, particularly from a male standpoint of view that's saying, hey, I'm out here. I'm gangbanging. I'm doing my thing. Uh, God's not going to love me. He can't love me. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Most definitely. I mean, because he's using us all in a certain way and he's forming our identity along the way. He's forging it. We don't know it, (laughs) but he's forging our identity. And I love it, when you said you look back on that and said, oh, wow, you know, he, he was preparing you. Right. Thank you so much for that.
3: And um, I love how God's hand of provision is on us when we're acting ugly, doing yes. we know we shouldn't be doing. Um, and that's why it's so funny when we think we can hide stuff from God you can't hide nothing and you actually don't want to hide nothing because sometimes we're in, when we're in our darkest moments, our deepest sin, God's there with his hand of provision over us like he was with Carlos on that day. And God was like, nope, you're not going because I have a purpose and a plan for you. And I always, you know, think about if you ain't dead, he ain't done. And so I love, I love that. I love his stories because it's always like, man, God was just like all over you. You had no idea, but he had his angels surrounding you because he had a special purpose or plan for your life, even when you were in your mother's womb, before you were even born. Uh, which is what Psalm 139 says is before you were even born, I already wrote the days of your life. And I love that because it's so eloquently displayed in Carlos's life.
2: Yeah, and I think the misconception when my best friend became a Christian, he came at me hard. Mm. And I think for me at the time as a man, I, I thought that would make me a weaker vessel of weaker man. And this is why I didn't want to accept it, because now you're weak and now you're doing all the things according to not my world but that world and you're just a goody two-shoe and so on and then I remember yelling at him because he just came at me I said look if God spoke to you doesn't speak to me and I was you know I was strong about it and um we didn't talk for about two years and um but again when you reflect back it's like no you're a better man a bigger man because it's kind of funny because when you come to Christ in the area I came from people are mad at you because now you can't hang out and do the things you were doing before. Oh, yeah. And now it's kind of like the, 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 the crab effect in the bucket. You try to get up and they're trying to pull you down. And I experienced so much that they wanted me to be the old Carlos and not the new Carlos who's doing everything by the book, you know, not taking any more shortcuts, not to cheating, not doing anything, not even going out and drinking anymore. This is the new, but they want the old Carlos. They, they prefer the old Carlos and not the new one. And I never, get, I never understood that, but then coming from that, era that I lived in, I was the same way with my friend. It's it's all about surrendering and giving up and just saying, you know what? I'm tired of telling God I got this and basically saying, you know what, take control because every time I do it, I blow it. And you got to get tired <laughs> of being tired. And that's what came to my life. I got tired of being tired of doing things on my own and blowing it. And then there's not a magic remedy when you come to Christ because now you think everything's gone. No, the devil's gonna come at you even harder. Yeah. And when people say the devil, it's like I tell people it's not that guy with a red, uh, with a pitchfork and pointed ears and a pointed <laughs> tail. He's going to come at you through something that a vice, you know, if you're an alcoholic, he's going to come. Well, somebody's just going to do something. And then your integrity is when you're on your own. What are you going to do when you're on your own and the camera stop rolling?
1: Right. That's powerful. Yeah.
0: That sure is. And so, Carlos, I was just thinking so now you're rough and tough for Jesus. Amen.
1: <laughs> That's right, gang <laughs> banging for Jesus.
0: <laughs> it was, you know. Oftentimes, people think, "Well, you know, it's too late for me." You know, I I didn't get it when I should have gotten it, and now it's too late for me. But as I listen to you speak, I'm reminded that, you know, obviously, initially, our parents, right? As parent, we are all parents now, but our parents are supposed to train us up in the way that we should go, and we would know that our identity is in christ but that does not always happen but you're you're absolutely right when you say that it's it's okay that i didn't get it then from my father or or perhaps even your mother because god sent someone he sent someone later in your life and now your identity is in Christ. Yeah. And also just to go back to what you were saying about your friend when he first came at you, you know, he came at you hard, you know, and you weren't ready to receive it, you know. Um, and that happens to many people. I'm sure many of our listeners have experienced that. And even my boys, as I think about it, you know, like, oh, I want to hear what you talking about. You know, she's talking about Jesus. <laughs> but here's the thing. It was it seemed at the time the wrong time for you. It seemed at the time he was coming at you hard, but that was by divine appointment because you couldn't unhear what he said. Right. He was right. those seeds. Those seeds were being planted Correct. to help to birth what you who you are now.
2: Yeah. So,
0: thank you for your testimony. It's
2: right. You know, and I and I don't wanna I know I just got a lot to say as well, but speaking of fathers, um, I was able to reconcile with my dad. He he had bad heart and for many years. And then one time he ended up in the hospital. one of many times he ended up in the hospital. And I remember leaving the house. At, I'm an early bird. So I left at five in the morning. I was in San Francisco at 6am. He was asleep. He wakes up and he sees me there and he goes, what are you doing here? I said, I heard you had some heart issues. And so I, I came to say hi to you and he goes, okay. And he was kind of taken back like, dude, what are you doing here? You know, we don't even rock this way. And so, um, I sat there and he goes, Hey, I hear you going to church. I go, yeah, I'm going to church, you know? And I said, cause I had prayed before to God open up this door so I can minister to my dad because it's not about me right now. And so anyway, he opened up that door and I said, yeah, I go to church. Then. And I said, you know what? I can only sit here because God loved me so much that I can sit here and ask for my forgiveness, the way I treated you. And I can forgive you as well. And he was taken aback and he was like, what do you mean? And I go um, just the way we treated each other. I said, "You go to church. You go to the Catholic church. What do you know about God?" He goes, "Nothing." I go, "Do you know any of the stories of God? Do you know anything?" And he goes, "No." I said, "Okay. Um, do you want that peace that God gave me that allowed me to sit here and talk to you?" And he sat there for a minute, and then he said, "Sure." And I said, "Well, let me hold your hand, and, and we can pray this out." And we held hands. He accepted Christ everything was good. And then I got to the car and I just fell apart and I fell apart for two reasons. One that he accepted Christ, but mostly first time ever holding his hand in my life. And so he accepted Christ. And then about nine months later, he passed away. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So I say, I, I say this to say that it's oh. never too late yeah. and yes. ever yes. too late. And God will use you if you allow yourself to be used. I couldn't went there and say, okay, I'm here just here to visit because you were sick. But I was prayed up all the way coming down. And when I got there, he opened up that door and that was it. And um, so he accepted Christ. And then the very next day, I went over there and my sister was there. And then my sister said, We got to pray, but she prays to somebody completely different. And that's a whole, that would take two hours. (laughs) That's (laughs) another story.
1: And so, anyway,
2: so anyway, my dad prayed and he asked God to forgive him for the way he treated his children. And that's when I knew. That God had touched him. Amen.
1: Amen. Oh, that is so powerful. That right. is so, and you know what? When I got the word that hit me, oh God, that—that that, I love it. Reconciliation. Yeah. yeah. That's huge, right? That's a word that's huge because God is just waiting for us to, to come to him. He's already there with us. But the fact that you went to your dad, like you said, he knew who God was, but he didn't have a relationship with right. God. So back to... He, he didn't have an identity. I mean, really and truly, right? Because God gives us that true identity. But what stuck with me the most is forgiveness because you touched his hand. Goes back to what you were saying earlier. Men don't want to think that they're being weak. Oh, that's just kind of like, I'm not a man. If I'm holding your hand, if I'm hugging you and I'm kissing, but you broke that barrier, just holding his hand, yeah. that compassion and um, telling him that you forgave him because the word truly says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. And you, ex- you, you were an example of that. Oh my goodness, that that just touched my heart as you were speaking. And I'm going to go back to it a little and shift because when you said Angie, because we're not going to forget about you, Angie. I know you're <laughs> there to support your husband, but we're not forgetting about you because I know you have a few things to say too. The fact that she was on that path too, yeah. I, I heard you, and then Angie being a Christian, that was a setup, right? And and right. it's now she's your wife. Uh, what got me, Angie, and I love it. When you were saying the Bible study, becoming Mrs. Better Half mm-hmm. with Holly Ferdy. Now, yeah. and you said that changed your life and, and your perspective on marriage, your husband, and just loving others. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit for us?
3: Yeah. So we've had the bumpy road, the hard road as a marriage. Um, I was a Christian. He wasn't really, he was not a Christian, let's just say that. He was Catholic. <laughs> But I found out that means that's that's a whole nother different meaning when someone says I'm Catholic. It's like, okay, whoa, you say you're a Christian. No, that's that's not it sometimes. Um, And not to say that there aren't Catholics who are out there sold out, fired up for God. But he wasn't really a believer. We shouldn't have been married, probably unevenly yoked. But God had a plan. Um, And so we got married and just the sheer difference of our cultures, of our backgrounds, of our faith, um, we we battled a lot in terms of or struggled in our marriage. Um, We had a very bumpy past. There was I call it the lost years because there was a a period of time. I don't know. Was it 10 or whatever years where I was just angry with him? He, He could breathe and I would be angry Um, and so I know I wasn't easy to live with, um, because I had so much bitterness and resentment for the things that had happened in our marriage. He was a newer Christian when we got married, he wasn't a Christian. And then he came to the faith, but, you know, sanctification is a process, right? And so, so I was the wife that was like stumbling with him through that process. So, um, we had, you know, our ups and downs, but during that I had really, you know, um, I'd really become resentful um, of him holding on to things. I I was raised in a very matriarchal family, um, which means the woman rules the roost. Carlos comes from a very male dominated environment where the man rules the roost. So you can imagine our arguments of me trying to run stuff, him being head of the household and supposed to run things. And so Throughout all of our our marriage, um, there was these period of years when our boys were young um, that I was really unhappy. I hated him. I I hated the thought of him. I hated his name. I hated everything. Um, And I just kind of tolerated. And it it was always like I was waiting for the shoe to drop. I was waiting for us to divorce or something to happen. Um, And then I noticed this Bible study um, called Becoming Mrs. Better Half with Holly Furtick at Elevation Church. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. I like Holly Furtick. Um, So I'll just, you know, I'll give it a whirl. And it drastically, drastically changed my perspective because I went into the Bible study and I don't know if you ladies, you're both married. I don't know if you do this but you go into a study on marriage and sometimes we think, okay, give me tips to fix him because he's not working right. That's right, it's not me. I'm here of course I'm perfect. I'm here to fix him and um, that study was just totally opposite of that and she started off like if you guys think you're here to get some tips to fix your husband, that is not what this study is about. this is about fixing you. and I was like, well, how can you fix perfection? I'm the perfect wife like what it's his is fault that about yes, everything was his fault. And when I went through the study, I think it was only like five or six weeks, she started breaking down my contribution towards his attitude towards me, towards his actions towards me. Um, And really, I started to see through a lens of, I guess, how God sees us through a lens of love, um, of forgiveness, of not always pointing the finger at the other person. That's a defense mechanism for us, is if I can prove I'm right... And he's wrong, then I feel better about myself. But that study really talked about have you really loved your husband? And is it your responsibility? Is, is marriage a transactional thing where it's a purchased product? I love him if he loves me back. I respect him if he respects me back. And the study um, really put the accountability on the individual. How do you treat your husband? Do you love him? Do you, do you? bend over backwards for him? Do you, do you wake up wanting to make your husband happy? Who is your, your better half? Um, And so I started to change my perspective on not just our marriage, but I started to see how I was accountable for a lot of the things in our marriage that wasn't going wrong. And I will tell you, she was like, I guarantee you guys, if you do these things, you know, fix you, you're going to start seeing a difference in your husband. And before that, we were constantly battling and arguing about every stupid little thing. He started to change. His Mm -hmm. attitude started to change. Um, He softened his heart. And so our marriage began to be more of a blending. God said the two shall become one. And we started to blend together more, but it took me taking accountability independent of Carlos. Like our a happy marriage had nothing to do with him. It was all about me and the changes that I could make. And so when I started doing that, it changed our marriage, it changed our relationship, but then it started letting me see how I was accountable, accountable in other relationships too, you know, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my mother, with my like all the people in my life, I started to do a little introspection of like, yeah, why is it that love is such a transaction for us? Why do we have to hold our love as this bag or this goods that we're selling, this bill of goods that we're selling to other people? Why can't we just love people like God does? not because we get something back, or even not because that person is good, but why can't we love people in their messiness and their ugliness, and so that kind of changed my perspective. It helped my marriage. It helped my view towards my husband, but it also changed my perspective, um, and I just thank God because he began to let me see people, um, so I, I, I always say that people are, have these masks And the mass causes us to interact with people in a specific way, a negative way or a hurt way or whatever. God began to show me beyond that mass. And almost from a prophetic standpoint, um, he began to show me what was behind their behavior. I remember being on an airplane and there was a guy who was sitting right next to me and he had his hood on um, and he just seemed real suspicious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, you know, is he gonna like do something to this plane? Of course, I'm just, I, I guess I live in this adventure novel, um, but he was real shifty and, you know, covering his head. And I was like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, you know, I'm gonna keep an eye on him cause I'm gonna protect this plane. And <laughs> um, I always pray right before I, I take off. So I was praying and God had me, directed me towards this man. And I kid you not, it was like a tunnel. He showed me through a tunnel, this little boy. And this little boy was crying, looking for his father. And God said, this man has a lot of fear due to the abandonment of his father. And I was like, wow. So here I am getting mad at this guy thinking he's gonna do something to this plane. And God was showing me this is the root of what his issue is. And, And he didn't just show me that so I could calm down. He was like, now start to intercede. And so when God shows you the truth behind those masks, like the real identity, what people really are, our jobs as Christians are to intercede and pray. And so, you know, I pray for my husband all the time. He prays for me. That's our thing is to see each other clearly, but also to pray and intercede for people.
1: Oh, man, that's powerful. Go ahead, Wanda.
0: That, I that, see. <laughs> wow. That's just so, everything you said, so beautiful. Um, and now I think I need to get that. Is that a video we can get? The Bible study? How do we get the
3: Holly Furtick? Um, so what's interesting is the Bible study, you can only get it through the Elevation Church um, online store. And basically, they allow you to purchase it and maybe lead or be a part of a group or you can jump in on a group that's already on in stream at the church
0: got it got it and it's only
3: ten dollars like oh my goodness best spent ten dollars to to change
1: your life come on
0: it's priceless but it's you know that's that's amazing your whole sharing your testimony is 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 so good and it's super good timely um i actually read the book love and respect Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shared some of the same principles. And for me, my husband and I were literally opposites <laughs> in every sense of the word, right? Um, but for me, it was about learning how to love a man
3: based mm-hmm.
0: on how the word tells us we are to love our husbands. That's
3: right. Yeah. Right?
0: yeah. And, and that that's where that word respect comes into play. Yeah. That's how men receive love through us wives respecting them. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. wives receive love differently. And right. I was trying to love him the way I expected to be loved. Right. right. And, and so, but going to the word really, really, um, gives you a whole different perspective and completely changed the trajectory of our marriage. But when you talked about the mask,
3: mm-hmm.
0: these masks that we wear, um, it's like society hands out these masks. Yes. they
3: yes. And, and,
0: and we wear them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then they also give us a perspective. They tell us what they're supposed to mean. Yeah. So that's why I believe it's so difficult for us to love one another cuz yeah. we it, we're we're not loving them the way that Christ loves them or seeing them the way that Christ sees them. Mm-hmm. We're looking at them through this through our own mask, looking at their mask, and that's how we are trying to love them. and it doesn't work and so and and this is something you really have to kind of work at I would say on a daily basis
1: that's for sure
0: the way that god sees them so that you can love them that way i encountered and i shared with tina just this week um as you guys probably know today there's a lot of displaced um unsheltered people on the streets yes and You know society they're all wearing masks right (laughs) and society tells us what those masks say about these individuals paints these pictures of who they are, where they come from, and 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 if we If we just continue to look at them based on what we see the mask that they're wearing, and the the picture that society paints. We can never love them, right? We would live in fear of them and not love them, right? Yeah. And it's just this week, just the other day, I there was a young woman who literally came over to my car, and she looked like a displaced individual. Um, and I'll be on un- initially. My flesh was like, "Oh wait, do I roll down my window?" Yeah. And I said, no, because fear does not come from God. I need to right. see her. I need to know what's going on, who she is and what she needs from me. And long story short, I saw through the mask
3: mm-hmm. and
0: I saw the goodness, I saw the humanity in this person, yeah. I just loved
3: her. Yeah, She
0: needed help and I loved her enough to get her the help that she needed. So I, I, I like that you said, you know, brought up the mask. That we because that's to, so true. have to love beyond the mask and right. come from behind these veils.
1: That's right. And it beca- come from behind them because the fact is there's a person there and how can you uh, love someone if you have this barrier? Because they have a barrier and you have a barrier, but we're supposed to, to love them. And I'm going to go kind of back. I'm going to digress just a bit. What Angie was saying that really hit me is that we have to love people in their messiness. Yeah. We, we, we really, really do uh, because we, we're accountable for helping them find who their identity is because they are a masterpiece, right? And mm-hmm. so if, if, and if we don't do that, then we're not doing our job. And it might be someone there that's saying, you know what? Gosh, you Christian people, I'm not a Christian. You know, I don't even know what you're talking about, but you know what? It, it, it's your heart. God looks at your heart. That's where it starts. You know, I've seen some people who've never walked uh, in a in a through the doors of a church, but they're still kind. They're still loving. Want you to know it's a setup because just like Carlos was saying when when he was he he was running, you know, God God was seeking him, right? You know, he was he was running after him. So just just remember that we all play a part. We 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 truly truly do because I know we're we're speaking of things from a Christian standpoint of view, and um, I know we're. those of us that are speaking now we have a relationship with God but even if you don't have a relationship with God it's not too late you still can right. and it's it's all about your heart it's about love it, it's not the door the the, the doors of a church you, you know like the traditional and we saw that through uh, this COVID situation where um we didn't have the doors, right? So it's about love. It's about going behind those masks, like like we were mentioning, and not kind of looking at someone saying, this is who you are. Go behind that. Go behind, like Wanda said, behind the veil. You know, I love it. I love it.
0: So, <clears throat> Carlos, um, I know that you, your ministry is men, young, and, and, and younger men. Um, what would you like to say to our men and our young younger men our boys who are out there listening who um you know are maybe don't know what their where their identity comes from um and 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 or maybe they ha- they know that there's a god but they don't know you know exactly how to connect what would you say to them what would you think say? First
2: I think the first thing's first is uh, I I know the church uh, as Tina was saying the church is good but that's not your salvation, so to speak. Your salvation is a relationship with Christ. Uh, I know that there's a lot of men and young men that have gone to church and have been hurt by the church. So they want nothing to do with the church. So I come back and I literally tell them it's not about the church. It's about your relationship with Christ. As you get closer to Christ, you'll be drawn to a church. And I like what they're doing now that what they've done now, they've gone back to when romans uh when they had these small groups and they just went to people's houses and they just studied and learned and i think the only way a young man or a i or an adult or someone that doesn't know christ as a man is to find someone that that you can trust that you know or someone that is a reference because uh, there've been times where you go and it's like, I've been to a lot of small groups and it's kind of like, oh man, what are they doing here? And I'm not judging. I'm just going by what the book says. Mm-hmm. And so I know that's not for me. So I will, you know, do the moonwalk and then go, so go elsewhere, but I'm always seeking Christ. I'm in a men's group right now who, where I met them at a Starbucks. They and literally getting coffee and I saw them reading the Bible and two weeks later same time, same place. I said, Hey, what, what are you guys doing? And they said, and they all kind of looked at me like I was crazy. I go, what book are you guys reading or oh, reading the Bible? I said, what book are you guys in? And I forgot what book they, what they were in. I said, can I sit down? And they said, they looked at me like I was crazy, but I wasn't seeking God. I, w- I just, I want more of him. I don't care where it is. So I sat down with them and anyway, Eight years later, I'm leading that group there, which is, you know, it's something that, you know, if you're drawn to it and you're, you got to seek it. And I, and I always tell people, it's like in our marriage, how bad do you want this marriage to work? How bad do you want to get out of what you're in? Trust and have hope in Christ. You can't put it on man. You can't put everything on man because man will always let you down. And that's in the Bible. When I read that verse, I was like, God is no respecter of no man. I, I had to dig in and find out what that was all about. And it's because man will always let you down. And so my thing is, find a small group, that's something that speaks to you. Cause uh, you know, like I said, when I went looking for God in all these different places, it didn't speak to me, not even the Catholic church. But when God gets a hold of you, you know that you know that this is the relationship you're gonna start and follow. And you know, and again, if there's any men that wanna just get my number, you can get it through Tina or Wanda, I'll be more than happy to share. And my experiences, the love that God has for you, not just for me, he's on his love is unconditional. It's an agape love. We have conditions with love. Yeah. You know, I don't care what anybody says. There's conditions when you get to a certain point. Mm -hmm. But God is the agape love, which is unconditional. And so what I would say to men is find yourself a good, solid, small group. Find yourself a Christian man that, you know, by reputation that this is a good man. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that.
2: Oh, that's powerful. And that is so awesome.
1: And I, and I love it because sometimes people feel more comfortable in a small group. So thank you, Carlos, for bringing um, that up because you, sometimes you can go into a church or, um, an established um, situation, and you don't feel comfortable because there are people sitting together that know each other. But in a small group, you you, you find intimacy. You can learn to trust, and like you have mentioned that word trust, that's so important as well. But when you're in a small group, in a small group, just like you said, it was coffee. It wasn't in a church. You, you know, I had a, a small group which was golf. You know, <laughs> just right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a small group, and it's what you like doing together, and it's and right. it's beautiful. That's a beautiful, and that's and, where you'll find your true identity. You'll find your true identity with people by surrounding yourself around people that are showing, like you said, that agape love. That agape and, the, love. and
3: the nice thing is that COVID wasn't all bad. No, um, it wasn't. I get to work from home now. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Um, But what happened is they, they moved churches from a face-to-face platform to an online platform. So you know, I attend fellowship church in Antioch and I will be in a small group. Someone's from Daly City. Someone was from Alabama. It's like, you don't have to be a part of a church. You drive by a church, go online, go to their small group. Almost every church has a small group. They have men, you know, men groups that you can just join virtually. You don't even have to really go and show up you can just join virtually and start to, um, Carlos's group that he does is a virtual group. So you can actually join virtual groups as a way to connect with people with your interests. So it may be men who like to fix cars or it may be right, you know different things, but you can join almost any church's small group virtually. And that's your way of kind of seeking out what they have to offer, what this Christianity thing is about.
0: Oh, I love it. I love
1: Thank that. Thank you.
0: You know the word says we're two or three together. Yeah, that's right. I am okay. in the midst, so that mm-hmm. sounds like a small group.
1: Sounds like a small group to me.
0: <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. said, Angie, for the for the couples out there, uh, as particularly us wives. That's right. Um, who are not, you know, they're seeing their husband as themselves as Venus and their husband as Mars, and the two are so far apart. Um, what would you like to say to bring those us two planets closer together?
3: (laughs) Um, well, this, this whole podcast is on identity and I would encourage women to really focus not on what is manifesting in their spouse, but what their true identity is, um, Proverbs 31 tells us the role of a wife and it's hard. I was like, Lord, where's the, where's the husband responsibility thing? Like, this is a lot, like for real. Um, And it says that the man should be head of the household and in coming from a matriarchal family where the woman ruled everything that was hard for me, but I had to really try to see what's your, what's your role. Um, and sometimes I do have to take a back seat and let Carlos make decisions. That was one of our biggest things is not allowing him to be the role in this marriage and me trying to be the head of the household, the spiritual covering. So me taking in a step back. And like you said, Wanda, you know, you looked at what marriage should be in a Bible. What should a woman be in the Bible? what should her role be? What's my identity as a woman of God? When I got that revelation, then it wasn't like, okay, well, I'm doing all that. What about him? It was like, okay, now what can you do now that you're into your identity as a a woman of God? What can you do support to love your husband? How have you take accountability for the things that you've done to kind of make the marriage a hard place um, and work on that? Because it, to have a happy marriage, I had to work on me. And really, to have a happy marriage, that's the only one I can work on. But the most beautiful part about God's transformational and redemptive process is if you work on you, God will handle the rest. And it almost is, is you know, it's, it's hard to argue with someone who's loving on you. So if okay. Carlos is still mad about all the things that I've done in the marriage and the attitude, Um, When he saw me loving him and changing, it essentially changed him as well. So I made our marriage better by things that only... this, just with within Angie, I made our marriage better by just the things that I did and taking accountability for what I could change and what I could stop doing to push his buttons and make things worse and what things that I could do to make it better. Um, and I think as wives, that's our charge is to fix us and then to love on our husbands and be in the rightful order of the family. The husband heads the household, the wife is under her. Um, And so being able to trust, not just Carlos is going to make good decisions. It's like, okay, if you're the leader, are you going to make good decisions? It's like, he's the leader. I'm trusting God to be in the midst of this. And it says in the word, um, a rope made of three cords is hard to break. And that's God in the middle of your marriage. So surrendering um, and trusting God for that.
1: That's powerful. And can I add one thing to that? uh, Because I know. We're, we're just, we're just going with this. This conversation is flowing like milk and honey, but, <laughs> um, but what, one thing I'd like to add to that, that was so profound that you mentioned when you stop trying to fix him, yeah. because we do that, if we concentrate on ourselves, because I'm really guilty of that one, <laughs> I'm going to raise my hand uh, to try to fix, oh, it's your problem. Yeah. And, and when I took that back seat and said, you know what, Tina, it's you you need to work on you, you need to be accountable for you. And it's amazing how you see the other partner, your husband change, because I've noticed the same thing, you right. can see the difference when you're working on yourself, because you're more loving. Mm-hmm. Because when you see it, it's your problem and not theirs, for some reason, you just seem a little more humble about it, right? So it's like, don't try to fix the other person. So I know there's someone listening, stop trying to fix your husband or wife, <laughs> you know, let God fix them, just take it to him, right?
0: yeah i i i second third fourth fifth that emotion thank you guys so much this has been a wonderful wonderful time i i love your testimony your lived experiences your words of encouragement and empowerment thank you thank you thank you for joining us today
1: thank, thank you, you so me. much and yeah. i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it with one thing and it's from our prayer our divine healing journey let jesus be your guide There's a prayer, and it's in the book. So we have prayers here. So some people may say, golly, I have a hard time praying. Well, we have some prayers here for you. And this one just says, Lord, I am enough. Your word describes who I am in you. Let me be reminded of your words that describe your love for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Destination, Destiny. 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 (laughs) Oh, <laughs> yeah.